Avital, what should I do if someone else's kid hurts my kid on the playground? Yesterday, a bigger child came over and pushed my sensitive three-year-old. I froze like a deer in headlights, not knowing how to handle the situation. Dear Avital, my five-year-old is a shy, quiet kid who likes to observe, and I fear she's being bullied by other kids in her class who sometimes tease her and whisper about her. It is breaking my heart to see it happen. Hi, Avital. What's a good response to another kid calling my kid a name? My child is slightly rounder and sometimes gets called fat at the playground. I'm scared that this will forever scar her body image. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Welcome! Hello and thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Avital. I'm a mindful parenting coach and the mother of four and my goal is to help you to love parenting and parent from love. Today we're going to take on a really big topic and hopefully break it down in a digestible way and give you some really juicy food for thought to get your uh, cogs turning whether or not your child is a shy, sensitive, quiet child who seems to be on the receiving end of name calling or hitting or even bullying uh, on the playground or at school uh, or within your family even or whether you are on the other end of that. Um, What we're going to be talking about is ideas around helping children who have been hurt, been emotionally hurt, been socially hurt, been physically hurt by others and how we can help them uh, without actually turning them into victims and with really putting a big emphasis on strengthening up their inner world. So we're going to talk about all of that stuff. I'm going to quote from one of my favorite books, uh, and I'm going to bring you some examples from my own life. Um, but before I do, let me just tell you that the show notes for this episode are over at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash 44. And if I mention any books or whatever, we'll link to those there. And I also want to just say a huge thank you to everyone who's left reviews and really helped us to grow this podcast. We consistently rank on the top rated kids and family shows on iTunes. And that is thanks to you and your five star ratings. It's made a huge, huge difference. And I really do appreciate it. All of the work that we put into making this content for free really pays off when you guys help us to spread the word. So we appreciate that so much and it helps us to be able to continue to do it. Um, And thank you to those of you who share on Instagram. If you tag other people who you think will enjoy this show it just means the world to me and always tag me too I love to see those posts and I love to reshare them on my stories okay so let's get into it look with little kids problems and conflict just occur they're par for the course I'm the mother of four so I've been on the receiving end and on the giving end of name calling for example right my kids have been called names have been left out of games have been teased or had their scooters grabbed from them or been hurt by other children have been uninvited to things and they've been on the giving end of some of those behaviors as well uh, sometimes being less kind or less gentle to other children too or hurting them or even really scaring them. Uh, I've got one child in particular who really likes kind of military play and to be a tough guy and he gets totally carried away and power trippy and very very bossy if you want to use that word. I don't. I prefer to use uh, leadership, (laughs) strong leadership. Um, But 
you know, and and it's hurt other kids before. I've been in the position where I get calls from other parents that my kids uh, have hurt their kids' feelings or that my kids don't want to come and play. Their kids don't want to come and play with my kids. I've been on the receiving end of that. So I know uh, firsthand how it sometimes feels. But more importantly is the stories I hear from all of you. I mean, not a day goes by when I don't get some kind of message from a parent saying that their kid was hurt by someone or that their kid hurt someone else. And so I'm here first and foremost to normalize and validate that that is just part of our experience collectively raising children. Um, But I also want to push it a little bit further and not only say it's normal, but also say that it's a good thing, uh, ultimately, that it's ultimately a good thing. And I'll explain why and I'll explain how we can make it a good thing in today's episode. So what usually happens, what usually happens when we've uh, been on the receiving end, say our kid has been called a name, and I'm going to be using that example a lot today, but please apply it liberally to whatever has happened, like your kid has been left out, or your kid was teased, or something, someone grabbed something from your kid. It's pretty much the same across the board, any kind of, you know, hurtful behavior from another child towards your child. Uh, is relevant here. But what usually happens is, especially within the peaceful parenting community, is that we tend to go into empathy and protection, which is totally appropriate, right? When your kid gets hurt, you want to empathize with them and you want to protect them. You want to hug them. Oh, baby. Oh, no. I'm so sorry that happened. Come here. I'll give you a kiss. That wasn't okay of that kid. Uh, You know, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to protect you. Come. I'll hold you. I'll take you away. We won't play with them again. Um, All sorts of things that we do in order to stop our child from experiencing that again with that child. Now, that might all be appropriate. And in some situations, it's absolutely necessary. But sometimes, we can go overboard in that direction. We can be more empathic to the point of too empathic and too protective, where we actually are sending our child a message that they are a victim in this situation and that they should feel justified in their sadness, in their pain, in their fury, in their defensiveness, in their self-righteousness, and that they might even get stuck there. In fact, we might get stuck there together. Like, oh, woe is me, poor us. Oh, those kids are so evil and we're so good and it's so awful what happened to you, you poor thing, and I'll never let it happen again and I'm always here to protect you. And what typically happens is so much of our own childhood pain and hurt comes in and we try to kind of overcompensate for times when maybe we weren't protected, right? When we felt vulnerable and left on our own, to our own devices and we wished someone would be protective to us. The issue with being overprotective or over-empathizing is that it makes our children believe about themselves that they are incapable of handling conflict, that they're incapable of handling uh, being called a name, that that is somehow a big, terrible, scary thing that happened to them, or that it's true, that the name that they were called is true and has this power over them and they should never have to hear it. And they should be, you know, whoever says that to them should be stopped and should be punished because it's so terrible. And in fact, it's even violent towards them that someone's calling them this name. It makes them feel stuck in that place of, I am uh, incapable of handling this. It's a big deal of what just happened to me is a huge deal. I need adults to protect me. 
Um, it's not fair. It's not okay. It shouldn't have happened. It's not justified. I'm justified. And I was terribly, terribly wronged. And we don't always get to that place, but I'm just kind of dramatizing a little bit for effect. Now, of course, we don't want to go in the other direction either, where we brush it off as no big deal, right? Like, oh, man up, right? Suck it up. Boys don't cry. Stand up. Nothing happened to you. Who cares, right? Where we give them just no empathy and also no tools for processing. And it just teaches them to suppress their feelings. Like, don't cry. It's not okay to feel that way. Move on. Nothing happened. You're okay. All of those dismissive kind of statements where we're telling our kid that they are fine, that they didn't experience what they experienced, that it shouldn't have hurt their feelings, that they're not justified to feel insulted or hurt. We then push them through um, and we don't allow them to actually process their feelings. But what I need to point out is that in both these cases, we don't give them any tools for actually reflecting on understanding and processing what has happened. In one case, we give them a ton of empathy. Oh, poor baby, poor you. Come here, I'll kiss you, I'll protect you, I'll save you. And in the other, we say, you're fine, nothing happened. But in both cases, the child is left with zero abilities to handle those situations in the future. In the first case, all they know is that they need to be rescued. Someone needs to come and save them. A terrible thing is happening to them and they can't handle it and someone else needs to save them. And in the second case, all they know is that even though they're feeling all of these hard feelings of being called a name, um, that from the adult's perspective, nothing happened. They shouldn't feel those feelings, so they should simply move on. Now, before I move on, I need to say that there are absolutely times when we will need to get involved or involve other parents or teachers, right? There are times when we will need to stop another child from hitting our child, when we will need to ask a teacher or a parent to help us in supporting our children while they solve their problems or learn to take turns or accept that they are not currently getting along and that they would be best off playing separately for a while. My suggestion in everything that I'm saying here does, is not to say that we don't sometimes need to set boundaries and that protection isn't sometimes our role. You know, if it's truly bullying, if our child is truly not safe, then we're going to need to step in and make sure that they are protected. The trouble that I have with all of this is that sometimes there has been this kind of what's called a creep, right? A uh, um, a definition creep, um, a concept creep around certain phrases. Like I will hear people use the word bullying around something that's much more akin to teasing or to leaving someone out or to not being so nice or to calling someone a name. Uh, you know, that's not bullying. Bullying is a much more severe form of those things. The definition of a bully is to seek to harm, intimidate, or coerce someone perceived as vulnerable. And I think that we need to understand that not every single act of conflict between kids or every meanness, any, every name called, every hit even, not everything like that is bullying. Um, and when we make it seem like it's bullying, then we are making our children into victims of bullying, which, you know, that can really weaken them in a big way. Now, bullying does exist and we do need to fight bullying and we absolutely should. But what I'm saying is that in regular day-to-day -day conflicts between children, it doesn't serve us to have this concept creep where everything is now bullying. The same goes for safety 
I'm going to quote this book later on, but in the coddling of the American mind, they talk about safety. They talk about the concept creep of safety, where it used to be about you know, being safe is about being physically safe. But today it's about emotional safety and about feeling discomfort around anything that we don't particularly like. And so making it seem like something is violent or something is not safe uh, today is much easier than it might have been a couple of decades ago. In fact, here's a quote around that from The Coddling of the American Mind. Um, It says, A culture that allows the concept of safety to creep so far that it equates emotional discomfort with physical danger is a culture that encourages people to systematically protect one another from the very experiences embedded in daily life that they need in order to become strong and healthy. So I think in early childhood, we need experiences of friction with friends. We need friends to not want to play with us. We need friends to call us a name, to tease us, uh, to say something not nice to us, to refuse to play our game, to tell on us. We need to experience all of those things because this is how children learn. Now, we need to do those in a safe environment, right? In an environment where there are adults that can help, where we are physically safe, where these are friends that basically love us and are good people, but we still need to experience those points of friction and conflict in order to overcome and learn how to deal with them. We'll get right back to the show in just a moment, but I have something important I wanted to share with you. Last August, 17 families gathered in the green jungle of the Blue Zone in Osara on the west coast of Costa Rica for our first ever present play family vacation called Bliss. We were a total of 75 people and had 48 children among us. Together, we formed a pop-up community of intentional parents. We enjoyed seven days of reveling in that natural beauty of the jungle, regularly seeing spider monkeys and giant iguanas as we breakfasted on our farm-fresh vegan meals. Our children played together every morning, led by our incredible child program director, Claire, and her ukulele. Together with a team of 15 local nannies, she led the children in yoga, nature walks, painting out in the jungle, and ninja runs. Whilst our kids were in their version of heaven, us adults got to do our own yoga sessions. For some of us, this was our first ever downward-facing dog, and others were seasoned yogis. Under the guidance of our gentle leader, Jeanette, it didn't matter at all. Then we grabbed a smoothie and headed up to the rooftop chalet to meet me for a session of designing our family's vision, aligning on our parenting goals and rejuvenating our connection with our partner. It was an incredibly moving moment for me, watching the 34 people sitting gazing into each other's eyes and talking about the most important things in their lives their family. We were a group of imperfect, intentional parents there to support each other. No one felt awkward when their toddler had a big tantrum at dinner or their kid broke a plate at breakfast. No one worried they would be judged. Even though we were a diverse group of people from all over the world, Russia, Israel, India, Afghanistan, the UK, Iran, Canada, and the US, we were among like-minded parents who held the same values. 
we each had a relaxing massage with the background music of the many waterfalls at Bodhi Tree. Some of us surfed in one of the world's most celebrated surf destinations, and others of us ziplined down the miles of jungle top. And yet others simply took a book and read by the pool as our kids splashed together in the waters. Magic happened out there on our bliss vacation. We got to see the majestic sea turtles lay their eggs at 4.30 a.m. in the morning. And as we were doing yoga one day, a sperm whale swam by. And by the end of our dance party on the very last day, there was hardly a dry eye among us. In just one week, we had connected like a family. Children became pen pals, adults became soul friends. Our bodies had been nourished and stretched, and so had our minds and our hearts. The beauty of Costa Rica had infiltrated our homes, and the kindness and warmth of the Bodhi Tree staff had encouraged us. And on a personal level, my family had so much fun, we knew we would definitely be going back which is why we've secured a spot for our present play vacation in Bodhi Tree, Costa Rica, again next year, August 2020. Spots are limited, but we would love to welcome your family to join us. So go to theparentingjunkie.com forward slash events to get more information. All right, let's get back to the meat and potatoes, or can we say tofu and rice, of the show. So uh, that's why I want to say, yes, we sometimes really do need to step in and set boundaries, but I think even more so, and beyond that, is something even more important that we need to do, and that's what I'm going to talk about uh, in just a moment. You know, yes, set some boundaries. Yes, empathize with our children's pain. But there are some very real things that we can do to help them to understand what's happened and to actually give them tools to move forward. Okay, so back to the coddling of the American mind. You know, I might as well just, you know, play that book for you on Audible, seeing as I'm going to be quoting it so much. But I really love that book, and I think it's crucial um, for us parents to understand what's going on in our current parenting culture and counterbalance that with a much more grounded and uh, you know wise way of helping children to build resiliency but they share three major untruths of many of today's parents okay untruths that we believe so the first is the untruth of fragility and this is the idea that what doesn't kill you makes you weaker in other words there's this great untruth that we are all sometimes you know buying into that when you go through a difficult situation like someone calling you a name that somehow makes you weaker that you are somehow fragile that that breaks you that that damages your self-esteem that it damages your self-concept that it's going to damage your body image that it's going to you know leave lasting scars and trauma in you and somehow make you weaker That is the first untruth that we are going to address today. The second untruth that is explored in this incredible book is the untruth of emotional reasoning. And that is the untruth that basically says you should always trust your feelings. In other words, if you feel hurt, if you feel hard done by, if you feel self-righteous, if you feel like a victim, then you are one. If someone called you a name and you feel, you know, put upon or like poor you, then you are a victim. And that is another dangerous untruth that we're going to unpack today. 
And finally, the untruth of us versus them, which is basically the idea that life is a battle between good people and evil people. And I see this a lot in parenting. You know, people say, oh, he's a bad kid, right? A bad kid hit my kid or a bad kid called my kid a name. And my kid is a good kid and I need to teach my kid to be a good kid. And people will say this to their children as well, right? Like, oh, that kid is a bad kid. So that's why he did that to you etc. Not realizing that all of us have within us good and bad and that it's a lot more complicated than that. So what I want to suggest is that rather than just empathizing with a kid or brushing it off, we give them a little bit of empathy, but we mostly focus on coaching them, on coaching up, right? Say a child who was called a name, okay? A child was just called uh, fat and stupid, okay? Just because that's a common name um, that people are called. They're called fat and stupid. How do we coach them up? How can we teach them to handle that. Now, if we just empathize, oh, poor baby, poor baby, poor baby, what we're saying is, yes, they called you a terrible, awful name, and that really damaged you, and now you're a victim, and you know what? They called you something, and even between the lines, we're saying, what they called you can hurt you. Those names can hurt you because somehow they're true, and somehow they hold meaning, and somehow they'll truly diminish uh, your self-concept and who you really are, and your self-esteem, and your confidence, and all of those things. And when we brush it off, we're saying, eh, it's nothing. Why are you making a big deal out of it? When of course it is something. None of us want to be called fat and stupid. In our culture, those are considered things that are not nice to be called. Um, And we can debate whether or not they should be uh, insults separately. But I think most people classify them as insults in that way, if they're said in an insulting way. Certainly stupid. I don't know about fat, but certainly stupid. Um, If we're called that name then we are hurt. We don't like it. We feel something. And so being that being brushed off by our adults, not helpful either. So, you know, let's, let's go into these untruths and help ourselves to unpack them. Okay. The first untruth is that you are fragile. What I just said, you know, if you're called fat and stupid, it could somehow break you. Let me read a really incredible quote from, uh, from the Coddling uh, of the American Mind, and it goes like this. From time to time in the years to come, I hope you will be treated unfairly so that you will come to know the value of justice. I hope that you will suffer betrayal because that will teach you the importance of loyalty. Sorry to say, but I hope you will be lonely from time to time so that you don't take your friends for granted. I wish you bad luck, again, from time to time, so that you will be conscious of the role of chance in life and understand that your success is not completely deserved and that the failure of others is not completely deserved either. And when you lose, as you will from time to time, I hope every now and then your opponent will gloat over your failure. It is a way for you to understand the importance of sportsmanship. I hope you will be ignored so you know the importance of listening to others. And I hope you will have just enough pain to learn compassion. Whether I wish these things or not, they're going to happen. And whether you benefit from them or not will depend upon your ability to see the message in your misfortunes. Greg Lukianoff, The Coddling of the American Mind. How good intentions and bad ideas are setting up a generation for failure. So in this first point, I want to say that in peaceful parenting, we focus so much on empathy and sending the message that this is something I feel bad for you about, right? 
And instead, we can teach our children to embrace discomfort and that they are not fragile. That yes, this isn't particularly comfortable situation. Struggle, failure, discomfort, uh, conflict, mm, none of us wish that upon ourselves. But in a more deep way, we do need to wish these upon our children so that they can learn to handle them. Now, of course, we don't want so much that they are crushed, that their spirit is crushed, but we want just enough stress that they should be able to strengthen their muscles and so that they don't atrophy and become incredibly weak in the face of any kind of struggle, failure, or misfortune. The second one is the untruth of emotional reasoning and the idea that we must always trust our feelings. Often in stories around, in in schools of thought of peaceful parenting and conscious parenting, we talk about whatever our child feels is legitimate and real for them. And we need to empathize, right? We need to empathize. It's real for them. What they feel is real. And I want to differentiate two things here. One is the idea that it is okay to feel your feelings. You feel hurt, you're allowed to feel those feelings. All feelings are allowed. But the other idea is how we learn from those feelings and how we talk to those feelings and learning that in fact, we have an incredible power over what we feel. All feelings are born of thoughts. We think a certain thing about a situation and therefore we feel about it, right? Um, It's raining outside. That is just a fact, okay? The bride on her wedding day thinks, oh no, this will rain on my parade, this ruins my day, and she feels gloomy about that. And the farmer looks out on the rain and thinks, wow, great, this is, you know, going to feed my crops, and he feels happy about it. The way we feel about a situation is born of our thoughts about it. One of the greatest uh, wisdom teachers that I follow is Byron Katie, and she has a process called the work. And the first two questions that one is supposed to ask oneself when doing the work is, is it true? And can I absolutely know for sure that it's true? I think it's really important for us to teach our children this, okay? Someone called you fat and stupid. Is it true? Now, maybe I am fat. Maybe I'm overweight, right? Um, I can still ask, is it true? Is this the truth? Is this necessarily something that I adopt as a label about myself? Is it an insult that I accept? Do I accept the truth of the frame that the other person has put on it? Do I accept that it's a bad thing? Do I accept that, uh, you know, that their opinion is more truthful than my own? Can I coach myself through it? Often, you know, I think of the word weird, right? People call homeschooled kids weird, or if we call each other weird or something, and that's supposed to be an insult. Well, is it true? First of all, it might be true that we're weird and whatever that means, right? But if it is true, is that a problem? Is it a problem? Is it an opinion? Is it a fact? Let's break this down. Someone just called me stupid. Is it true? Well, in some ways I'm stupid. There are some areas that my brain is not, you know, such a powerful machine. And there are other areas where I'm a genius. So I guess in some ways it's true and in some ways it isn't. But most of all, it doesn't really matter. It's not such an interesting idea to dwell on whether or not I'm stupid or fat or weird or whatever label this person happens to hold around me. So when my kids call each other names, you know, often my son will come crying to me, ah, Eli called me this, Liam called me that, Tanya said I'm this, right? Um, And I say, okay, well, do you feel that way? 
Do you accept that label of yourself? If you do, interesting. Okay. Like maybe it's something you want to work on. Maybe it's something you uh, are aware of. Maybe it's something you love about yourself. Maybe it's not a problem at all. What if you love being weird? What if you embrace being lazy? What if you're just fine with how your body looks? What if you're just fine that I don't, that you don't want to play with me? I'm fine with that. You know, oh, so-and-so didn't want to play with me. Okay. Do you want to play with them? Okay. Interesting. Well, I guess we'll figure out a time when you both want to play. Or maybe you don't want to play with them and then it's not even a problem at all, right? What if we aren't saying trust that initial feeling that came up, but instead we're teaching them to question their thoughts that are triggering those feelings? If they think, oh no, that person hates me and now everyone's teasing me and, uh, you know, poor me and uh, it's so sad what they said to me is so mean and hurtful, then they're going to feel really bad about it. But if they think, huh? just their opinion, I don't agree with them, and people say annoying things when they're angry, then they're going to feel absolutely fine about it. So we need to coach our children through that they don't have to make it a bad thing. It's not, it's up to them. It's up to their interpretation. You know, often um, my kids will complain, oh, he said I'm stupid, right? He said I'm stupid. Well, do you believe him? Do you think that's true, that you're stupid? No, I don't think I'm stupid. Great then let's move on. It's not of interest anymore. If you could take something interesting from it, fine. But if you can't, you don't and you move on, right? It's all about uh, you re-examining the truth and the thoughts that you have around that situation and framing it up in a way that serves you. And that brings us back to point number one, which is you're not fragile. You can handle someone whispering about you or teasing you or saying something mean to you or excluding you or hitting you. You can handle it. It's not pleasant. It's not comfortable. We should stop it Uh, when, you know, especially when it's physical, we've got to stop it. But it's not going to break you and it's not a big deal and you don't have to accept their version of reality. I mean, what an amazing skill. Imagine we raise a generation of kids who don't uh, you know, full prey and who aren't vulnerable to anything anyone says about them. Someone can say things about them and they're like, okay, they, that's just their opinion and they can brush it off and move right on, right? Especially, I think, in a world of social media and comparison and likes and, you know, all of the things that our children are going to have to deal with, um, that's a really important skill to learn, that other people's words don't have to hurt us, don't, we don't have to accept them, we don't have to believe them, and we get to tune into our own truth and to feel safe within ourselves. We don't need, we don't need them to say only the things that we like to hear. They want to say other things, we can question that. We can question and inquire and be uh, attuned to our own truth and prioritize our own beliefs um, around what we want to feel, right? Like, I want to feel good about myself, and when that person calls me stupid, uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make me feel that way. So that's their opinion, and I disagree. I feel that I'm, you know, just as smart as anyone else. Finally, let's move on to the last point, which is the tr- the untruth of us versus them. And this is the idea that life is a battle between good people and evil people. You know, often when there's some kind of conflict, between children, it's easy for us adults to label one child as a problem child. I actually just had an experience uh, with this just this past weekend. We were at a family retreat and 
there was a, a very troubled kid there, definitely a troubled kid having a very hard time. I mean, he was using, he was a young kid, he must have been about eight years old, he was using profanities, he was uh, grabbing other kids' scooters and stealing them, you know, he was um, teasing children, he grabbed a bunch of Pokemon cards right out of my six-year-old's hands, um, called my eight-year-old names, and my kids kept coming up to me and saying, he's, he's, evil that guy is evil he's a baddie we're the goodies and the kids were kind of rallying in this game of goodies versus versus baddies and it was so easy for this kid to be the baddie because he was behaving in such a disruptive and unthoughtful way and one of the things I was really working hard on was sharing with them that he's not a baddie and you're not a goodie and we all do things that we're not proud of sometimes and it looks like he's having a really hard time you know we can feel a little bit sorry for him that he doesn't know the tools to you know to keep his hands to himself or to use kind words Um, but he's just a kid and he's just trying his best like everyone else and so are you and we sometimes do you know things that are unkind as well we need to just work on solving the problem with him and all getting along in the best way that we can or separating or whatever, but not on labeling, not on labeling uh, some people good and some people bad. The, the trouble with doing that is that it heightens that sense of victimhood. It heightens, and you know, of course, it's not good for the other kid that we're labeling bad. Of course, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's not even good for our kid to, be, to have this self-righteous sense of, I'm always good, and other people are bad to me, and I, you know, I'm just the victim of their craziness, right? No, you sometimes do things that you're not proud of either, or you sometimes behave in reactive ways too. We're all impulsive at times. We all have poor judgment at times. Um, and if this happened, okay, that was their turn to have a bad day. On with the cycle of life. It's okay, you know, it's okay. It's okay to go through conflict. And one of my best friends and homeschool uh, buddies, she always reminds me of this. Whenever there's conflict between the children, whenever there's kind of cliqueiness or unkindness, she always says, that's what childhood is for. That's what we're here for. That's what we're gathering as a co-op and as a community for. So our children can experience those things in this safe environment with you know, supportive adults. And it's very healthy for them, as painful and as difficult as it can be. Uh, they need to go through that in order to become strong people. And so I want to end again with those words of Greg Lukianov, who says, whether I wish these things or not, they're going to happen. And whether you benefit from them or not will depend upon your ability to see the message in your misfortunes. Thanks for listening to the Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste.